1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: Today is Sunday, March 19th, 2017. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. All eyes may be on college basketball, but those green goggles look towards the most important regular season game the Celts have played since the Garnett years. The Washington Wizards visit the Garden tomorrow night. D.C. native and longtime WizBeat man Michael Lee of The Vertical will be here with us later in the featured segment. Celts return from out west with a perfect week and oh by the way there's a game this afternoon down in philly in the midst of the madness espn's chris forsberg coming up on episode number 201 of the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the nba's winningest franchise Where is this Al Horford uh, criticism coming from? I I don't see
0: it, I, and I, I don't know where like my colleagues. Are just, like, it's a fabled themselves.
2: enemy. It's it's saying uh, they're all they're all out there on Twitter. Uh, it's like yeah, I mean of course you're gonna have everybody someone on Twitter saying you put that many you put that many opinions in one place. You're bound to see you know a person here or there. But this seems to be a fabled enemy creation of the Al Horford hater. <laughs> And I know, me and you have been around Boston long enough to see what Boston fan criticism towards a player can really be like. It,
0: it, I, I think we've we've treated him pretty pretty calmly. Right? This is like, not Jose
2: Offerman, right? This is not Jose <laughs> Offerman batting two ten and being just like run out of the city by the pitchforks.
0: Yeah, I, I you know like and let's face it, he's, he's playing a little bit better lately, uh, so maybe that's like toned down the criticism. Like there are certainly instances I've, I've said this. Probably repeatedly, like, I'd like to see Al Horford step up more in bigger games. And yeah, I think everyone's hopeful that that happens in the postseason. But, you know, for, for the, 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 I think we all know that the only ones screaming about, you know, this guy is worth the max contract are people that need something to complain about.
2: Yeah. Just a few outside voices on Twitter and thus that represents this all of a sudden this giant, massive, like, storming of the Bastille type I enemy. Mean, I just don't think is there. I mean, you're right. I mean, about Horford in the sense that, like, I mean, there's some like small criticisms you can point out about him. In that, oh, geez, like I'm a little worried. And is he? De- is could he possibly be declining already? Not to the point where it's just, oh my god, you know, this is just a debacle waiting to happen.
0: But mid-range, can I be a little leery of the mid-range? I like I haven't looked. Well, the mid-range, the, but-
2: the mid-range game was like automatic for him down in Atlanta for all those years. That was like his bread and butter. I don't know. Maybe it's just because of the fact that he's been, that's been like he's been taken out of that from being in Boston. But I, I would be more concerned in that. He can't assert himself down the post at all. He gets shoved off the block almost. He's always taking, you know, all he can get off is a fadeaway, and he's not converting at all. And the Celtics he's, still kind of force feed him as they did against Brooklyn on Friday.
0: And and, and that's what I want to say, like especially when when I tease out, like is this the perfect like test kitchen? Like what happens when you give Al Hor for twenty shots? Let's find out. Like this seems like the perfect opportunity, but I, don't, I think, was, think
2: now there's enough. There's just enough uh, evidence out there that you know he he's just best operating you know up up in the perimeter passing. You know what he's, he's really good at Chris and uh, this is Chris Forsberg of ESPN. I, this is something very valuable that I don't think anybody talks about enough is being a big man that can bring up the ball. Yeah, it's so valuable I, in a Brad Stevens' offense in, in any it, offense, it, especially for Brad Stevens.
0: And you think about it, like the, the 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 two guys that they tend to thrive offensively when they're on the court are Kelly. And Al and both can have some handling the ball ability. Like I mean, Kelly, it, it, you sort of grip your couch a little tighter and 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 get worried when he starts dribbling around the perimeter there. But you know, just both of their passing skills. Like and, and that's why and and, and, and not to divert it to Kelly here, but I, I do start thinking ahead to the to the off season and like he's pretty important to to this team. And I know people are, get really frustrated when he has these lulls of, of consistency and and where he doesn't want to fire away. Uh, but man, like. These guys are so vital to, to to the success of their team because they can pass. And the way Brad runs this offense, you know, I just every time I start thinking ahead to the summer, I say, well, you know, there's bigger bigger fish to fry. But Kelly's, I, I wonder how this Kelly situation will play out.
2: You rarely see them when they're you know when they have it in the open court. You rarely see them actually kicking the ball, like or like just making some horrible play. I mean, it isn't like this disaster. Isn't it like like Antoine Walker. Listen, I I grew up watching. Tony Delk trying to run a fast break. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? I mean, Danny
0: yeah, Andrew remembers him. it. When he
2: was watching a game, when he was doing a game for TNT, he came here one game against the Celtics were playing the Sixers. I remember it like it was yesterday. And he was just freaking mortified watching Tony Delk and Antoine Walker try to run a fast break. And they would never – they would run – I never saw a basketball team at any level of basketball, NBA all the way down to YMCA, butcher more three-on-one fast breaks than – the 2003 Celtics the balls going into the third or fourth row was, it was it was horrifying like it was it, it, it wasn't frustrating it was mortifying
0: if only Joe Forte had panned out and been that secure ball yeah, handler they needed. Yeah, think it.
2: of your absolute worst childhood memory, and that was Tony Delk trying to run a fast break for the Celtics. <laughs> but Tony so Delk
0: I, was good. I like Tony Buckets. He was like – Not was on, was on the Celtics. Offense,
2: not man. on the Celtics. He was not
0: that 55-point guy. Didn't he help? He was, Wasn't uh, it him and, and who came over? The, the, Rodney, the Rod- Rod- when- yeah, Rodney
2: Rogers was good. Delk
0: was terrible. Yeah, okay. So, that, so I misremember because Rodney Rogers was excellent and helped them. That, that Rogers, was,
2: and Rogers was good. Delk was horrible in Boston. Uh, anyways, back to the present – uh, Hor- yeah, they uh, they're playing pretty well. Wow, perfect week. All of a sudden, uh, and, Hor- and Horford was a pretty big part of it because he had his best game in a while. What was it? First game since January 25th since he had 20 points, and it was really defensively the job that he did on Carl Anthony Towns. And it was I, I thought it was a team defense type thing. I thought it was Brad Stevens or I don't know whoever whoever's great idea it was to shadow shadow cat uh, with a guard, be it Avery Bradley or Jalen Brown. But what about what about the defense? All it, year. It's been, speaking of your colleagues, okay. I was going to say, <laughs> you know, I was going to interrupt you, but you're ready to say it's been awesome. But all no, year no, no, I would hear like, no, I, like I, you know, I'm in not the ready Celtics to crown like,
0: this defense. It's encouraging. I think there's a, a, a definite correlation between Avery Bradley comes back and the defense gets a little better. Uh, but I, I still have concerns about this this defense. You know, it, it, Brad said something that really interesting that that I, that I thought was 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 kind of interesting. Like because the the Celtics go out there and he thought they played a really good defensive first half and then when their shots weren't falling he said it's only natural that the defense falls off because you're just putting so much pressure on yourself to get those stops because you're not scoring that it you know defense becomes an afterthought and i think we've seen the complete other end of that spectrum where they're scoring so easily that they don't play defense so they they need to find some middle ground and it's been interesting to me to hear brad I, i think he's repeated it like 10 times this week is we're not going anywhere unless we play defense. It's like defense, 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 and you see him like screaming at Jalen Brown when he's out of position uh, for the for the tiniest thing, and he really rides Jalen Brown. And I think it's just because he knows, like, listen, when ninety is there, when this team is healthy, they're going to score points, which is still mind boggling, and, and could do a whole show on that based on what we saw last year. But I think Brad knows, like, this whole thing hinges on defense, and uh, I, I get, just like you said, I'm not ready to like do any do any celebrations here based on a, a good week and a half of, of defense and they've still had their moments where they, they just get away from it uh, but baby steps they're moving in the right direction the schedule is really easy here uh, if nothing else they should build their defensive confidence but let, let, let's hope it's uh, let's hope there's another level that they can take it to in the postseason because just like Brad says if, if they don't play defense it's, it's going to be a it could be another quick stint.
2: Quick pause in the action to tell CLNS Radio listeners about the great deal going on in the heat of March Madness basketball over at MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the best place to gamble online and get the best payouts. Using our promo code CB50, MyBookie will match 50% off your first deposit. So if you deposit $100, MyBookie will insert a free $50 into our account. Support CLNS Radio by going to MyBookie.ag and using promo code CB50. A lot of encouraging aspects of this D. Bradley being back, as you mentioned, Chris, and, he, and being back healthy, he's moving great. I thought you meant one play that really exemplified his mobility was in the Wolves game uh, when he rotated onto cat after Al bit on a pump fake, and then he was able to rush back to his man and he came up with the board. I, I mentioned that great D. The team played too on on. Uh, On Cat. One thing about these Brad Stevens Celtics teams in recent years is even without Horford, like last year, they've always done a good job on other teams' bigs, at least individually. Maybe some of the guys with traditional big man skills, like Greg Monroe and Brooke Lopez, not on Friday, but in years past have given them trouble. But yeah, uh, the second half, Wednesday, Friday night, albeit with Smart in there instead of IT. Actually, winning a game defensively, really, for the first time, it felt like all year. And then you can go all the way back to locking up Golden State in the fourth quarter on the West Coast. When the effort level is there, or like any D for 20-some NBA teams, it's a leap, but if the Celts are in like an 85% mode, at least for much of this season up until recently, it's concerning in that they can't get away with that because some of the fundamental issues with uh, opposing teams being able to exploit Isaiah on the perimeter and also Al being a step or two slower, which has really hurt him on things like switching and closing out on some guys. I
0: uh, keep going back to like little things that bug us. <laughs> yeah, where he <laughs> smacks Al, his like, hand,
2: right? <laughs> and he does that once again.
0: It pour out. Again, I think if you look at this team, they're not – as good as they are without Al. And Al brings a ton of good things to the team. And yet we sit here and we tend to focus on the negative. And I think it's only natural. Like, there are definitely times when I, I watch him around the basket, and I go, geez, like, you know, past seasons it seems like he just was a better defender in those situations. And I don't know. It, there are definitely times when he doesn't look as crisp as I remember. And then I sit there and it's at 30. the end of the game you look – I, I, mean,
2: I, like, I don't know. I don't worry good. over it. Of course I don't worry – About much things over basketball, right? But I mean, he he is 30. You look at it offensively, really, of what he's doing. And he isn't the worst offender or the worst person out there in that situation because he's very heady and can play as a a good captain role, the defense. But there's no question that just him being, it looks like just a half a step slower. It really, if you watch it really closely, that there's no question that that's just so
0: visible to anyone, I think, watching the game. What do you think about resting some of these guys? Like, are you on the? I've the-
2: always been. So you're you're asking the person who wants eight hours of sleep for everybody every single night. I think, you know, because I was. I got Michael Lee coming up. We're going to talk, obviously, about the big game against Washington tomorrow. And I got Michael Lee from the vertical in the featured segment coming up. And I was going to ask him, is this, a, how relevant of a game is this tomorrow night? It's certainly relevant for the teams that are playing and the fans that are involved, you know, go Celtics, go Wizards, huge game, et cetera. But maybe not to everybody else around the NBA because they're going to say, oh, what does a game like that have to really do about the greater landscape of the league? Because, and I was going to ask him, I was like, you know, it's been a weird season thus far in the NBA. There's always been, you know, we we talked about crowning defenses. I say we all crowned Golden State before the season to win the title. And I would say that's certainly be the case. But every one of these teams now is one injury away. And if every team is really, you know, Golden State and Cleveland, and if those teams are one injury away, Darryl, can you ask... Are the Celtics and Wizards' dark horse title contenders? And then, if that's the case, then yeah, what do I think about wrestling these guys?
0: I'm with you. Like when I look at the Celtics team and I see that they're 21 and seven when they have their starting five together, and now I'd have to go through and crunch who those 28 games are against. But I sit there and I say, wow, there's an obvious value in having all of your horses together when you get to the postseason. They got like one of the six best five man lineups in the league. Uh, The way they played since the All Star break is even more encouraging. So when I see them take Isaiah, and I do think, like, he went down hard uh, that, that third quarter, and cat fell right on top of him. And I'm sure his knee probably did swell up. And his wife was posting on Instagram the other day showing him in the trainer's room during, during Friday's game. Uh, you know, but the, the, the larger thing where everyone says, well, maybe it's not a bad thing to get him some rest, I completely agree with. Like, Isaiah hasn't quite been otherworldly Isaiah since the All-Star break. And I do think there's just – like, listen, his, one, his December and January were absurd, and there was no way he could maintain that level. But two, I do think that listen, cool this is a grind. He was cool off a little bit. He was cool off yeah. A bit. And I just think – but I think there is it's just the grind of it all. Like, All-Star Weekend, he didn't, doesn't catch a break. Like, these games have been pretty relentless. They travel out west, coming back here. Like, the schedule is pretty forgiving here now at, this, at, this, at the finish line, and I do think – there's a chance here for them to, to to pick and choose their spots. And I don't necessarily think Brad believes in DNP rest, and I think he's worried he about that, Never that does Never does. And that
2: Denver game was the perfect game to do it, too.
0: Right. Oh, man. I, like That's the one where you kick yourself, right? Because you knew they were going to get throttled. Bad matchup, coming off that, that loss. Maybe they should have taken their guys down that night and, and, and saved them all. And, and maybe because it was so lopsided midway through the fourth quarter, they did get a little bit of a break. But I'm interested to see, you know, will he... Take Al out of the lineup for a night. Does that have an impact on, on, on someone like that? Like the Celtics don't play a ton of minutes, but it's still an 82-game season. It's still a grind. And I know people are, are sitting out there looking at their contracts saying, oh, oh come on, I, I hate when this conversation comes up. But I do think there is a value in making sure all your guys are together for the start of the playoffs. And late, hey, haven't, haven't we seen it? Like when without Avery last year, this team is different. Uh, like I think they're better built to sustain – Someone other than Isaiah or Al being down now, but that it, it's still important to have, especially those five guys and you know Smart Brown and and Olenek, your your top three bench guys, ready to go for the postseason. So uh, I, I I'm curious to see if he if he finds some spots here, especially as the seating uh, starts to, to 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 lock itself in a little bit more.
2: It's twofold. One, I mean, it's, I think it goes back to the goal that this organization stated before the season when they said they're measuring this season based upon playoff success, not not this win fifty games or win forty five games as prior teams have done the last two years. And ah, what a great season they have to win in the playoffs. So, but I, I it goes back to even what I would just said in that I think that I mean, it's it's not crazy to say that Golden State or Cleveland is their injury. You know, Durant's already out. Either right. of those teams is an injury away from this being wide open. That's, that's why. I mean, it's it's almost
0: laughable to think about. I'm just I'm thro- I'm shocked. I'm, the Wizards too, man. Like to see their starting five has played like 61 games together, they like over a 1,200 ton,
2: ma- right? Of all the five-man but, units, they're by far that's
0: in the crazy to me. Like just to be that healthy, whole,
2: their bench is terrible.
0: But they're not. Like now that they've they, now they, they've they, gotten
2: they, Bogdanovich and
0: yeah, terms, they're yeah. like. I like I don't I'm not ready to throw either of these guys in, in title contender, but I do think they can be. You know, one of them can get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and just like you said, injuries can shake right. things up a little bit. Uh, I don't know. It's it, it, it's it's definitely open, and I, I hate I do hate the revisionist like people sitting here saying, "Oh, I wish the Celtics had made a move." Like, oh, you should have known that the the, the league was this wide. One guy, one midseason TJ acquisition is,
2: wasn't going to be the
0: difference, right? Just... I mean, look how look how Toronto came right back down to earth. Like they'll still be interesting in the playoffs, and and, and I'm sure the Celtics would. Probably I going to interrupt
2: them. you before people turn off this podcast. Now we're talking about the Celtics as title contenders, and then you can continue.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh,
2: disclaimer: <laughs> This is what I mean. I would say under these current circumstances, and your main people over there at five thirty-eight. Nice little shout out to espn. dot com. More up. knows they need it. What well, they got? Both these teams at about a five percent wow. chance. Five percent wow. chance of winning the championship. There, I, I. That's what I agree. I agree. The the Wizards and the Celtics. That's what I mean by dark horse title contender. Five percent chance at winning a title, basically meaning that they're going to need things like you know injuries to the top two teams in the league, and then a bunch of other luck in in the season. And,
0: and listen, Celtics so fans should also remember you predicted like seventy three wins and Tyler Zeller to be an All Star. Predicted so.
2: sixty, the number one defense, and Tyler Zeller returning to his two thousand fifteen form. I was actually more along the lines of fifty seven, but I did bump it to sixty for a little hot take, you know, pick up retweets thing. All in the say, Oh, I opened this. I opened this show. <laughs> complaining about those trying to pick up Anna Horford retweets, and here I am. I, I actually openly admitted to predicting the Celtics would win 60 games this year, basically just to pick up you know some social media love. But, yeah, you know, I was around – my legitimate prediction was 57. I don't think I'm going to be too off there.
0: Yeah, you're not too far off. I, you did miss on Tyler Zeller first team all all NBA, but
2: – I didn't – I've never said Tyler <laughs> Zeller first team all yeah. I said a return to 2000. I just that, like, was, that was a complete whiff <laughs> and the Celtics having the number one defense
0: in the NBA – well, like, we all went. We, was, we completely like that that's what makes the summer for. It. I love looking back at those things at the end of the year because it's just how bad were we? And we're all sitting there saying, "Well, how is this team going to score points? I mean, Horford isn't well, isn't is, is is the offensive monster. How, like, they got one of the best offenses in the league, and they can't. And Horford's stop anybody been as,
2: as important to the offense as. Oh my god! Pretty much.
0: As Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas wasn't this Isaiah Thomas without Al Horford, and so I mean, I love how we we just a roller coaster on Al, this show. Like people are going to listen and be like, do these guys like Al, or do they not like Al?' And then if you just <laughs> Very listen to
2: this segment, all of a sudden Al Horford's amazing and awesome. All right, so two, <laughs> so two. I think we have to get. I mean, you, you talk about roller coaster players. We're gonna go back to Friday night. I mean, this is the obvious one, right? Two things, Marcus Smart. By the way, it jumped out at me. I, I did all of a sudden this guy is shooting like ninety percent from the free throw line ever since that, that infa- right? the infamous uh, hack of Marcus down. In my, that's like th- that's like not even the same season. Was you know Marcus Smart at, you know getting hacked by Miami at the end of the game? Uh, what was that back on November? I got the schedule right yep. in front of me now. In November. I want to say it's the November twenty eighth game. He was shooting like fifty some percent from the free throw line in Spolstra. Called for the hacker Marcus, and he must be shooting like ninety percent from the free throw line, which is very encouraging. Because I said, well, you know, if he's got great form at the free throw line, if he can make, he's now I think at eighty. Oh no, from Larry, the don't don't years.
0: go with a hot take. He it, it does not parallel to like his his overall shooting is going to improve at a, at an easier rate. Like well, I, just I, I, hope. I agree, I hope. It's, it's it's super encouraging that 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 a guy like that. But I, I think the the bigger thing to me is I say go put him in a room with Jalen Brown. And figure out a way for Jalen Brown to be a more consistent free throw shooter because both those guys are, are one of the few that can actually get to the line. Uh, uh, I, I thought it was super interesting on Friday that Marcus goes and makes four clutch free throws. Avery gets fouled; he's missed automatic at times at the line, and he goes and misses. And I'm like, wow, you know, that it even speaks out more to what Marcus's ability to step up and make free throws in that situation. I agree; it's it, it's it's that's a huge development. For the Celtics, like Market doesn't shoot a ton of free throws, but you got to have guys that you feel confident going to the line. And and I mean, let let that Phoenix game game be Exhibit A. Like these games are going to come down to these sort of situations. You got to put these games away. I'm confident with Isaiah at the line. I think Jay is pretty consistent. Uh, but but to have Marcus... I think the number it's the number ball.
2: three uh, free throw shooting team in Celtics history. I don't know. But when I was talking about with Marcus Smart at the free throw line, as I mean, is there any hope for him to just to develop an overall jump shot? Now I think it is going to be. I mean. Friday night just seemed to be just like it, that was that was brutal. I mean, there's three of fourteen from the field, and then there was three of fourteen. His misses aren't even close. That's what's so how many, concerning How many threes about did he Smart. put up? I'll have to look that up. Um, and while I'm doing a lot that, of those I,
0: above the break threes were just like cringe where Like he wasn't even close on some of those. But then he goes in the corner and he makes some. So I don't. I don't know. It's like no, they need to do a better few job. Few and of,
2: far between. I, I, it's like. Larry Bird, oh, wow, okay. There, any great player has gone three of fourteen. Marcus Smart does it a lot, and when he does, I'm just the misses aren't even close; they're way off. It looks like it's hopeless. I mean, it's if you want to use the golfing analogy, Chris, someone goes for a lesson, and the, you know the pro says, "All right, yeah, you know, show me." And then all of a sudden, you know, the guy just tees it up, and he just slashes. It. It's like, oh, okay, you know, duck hooks, and you know, just dribbling it off the tee. It's like uh, that's what I feel like with Smart. It just seems like it's uh, he's got a long ways to go there.
0: But I think when they put him in the right spots, like when they force feed him him in the post, especially oh, oh, yeah, again, yeah. Oh, no. he, go to the post.
2: He's got a good floater that's been working for him. He's been finishing around the way. I'm just the, the overall jump shot is. is
0: so it's it, it's not. It's never going to be. I I think you have to just come to grips with that. Like it, it'll it'll maybe improve a little bit. Uh, I just think that the Celtics need to really emphasize to Marcus like you need to be in your spots. You you know where you're good. You you're get yourself in the post five times a game. Sneak into the corner every now and then, but. If, if, if I understand that he's the one guy who loves to step up, and not just the like the full court heaves that he that he tends to put up, but, <laughs> what, but a he, <laughs> <laughs> what a but game! What a game! He's always getting that. It, it's it's hilarious. Like we we sit there uh, uh, on press row and we laugh at every time, and, and, and like we we need to make a game of it or something because it's just so. He's the one dude who's not afraid to, to launch the ball, because well, you know it, it's not like that that percentage is going to get any worse uh i I do think if you take some of those out his numbers get a little bit better it's not quite as as damning as they tend to be uh but i i I do i just wish that that i think i think brad needs to take two practice sessions at the end of the year and one emphasize where everybody's best shots come from and these are these are where you're, you're in your mind this is where you should be shooting in the postseason with guys like marcus and kelly and stuff like that And then the second one is to work on two-for-ones because this team is the worst two-for-one team I have ever seen at the end of a quarter. There will be 35 seconds left when they get the ball. And they'll rush it up the court, and then Rozier will dribble it around the perimeter until there's 23 seconds left and take, a, and take a bad jumper. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Why can't they figure out how to maximize possessions?
2: If that can also rectify Brian Scalabrini and Mike Gorman on the broadcast, not alerting the audience in Doug Collins fashion every single time, the Celtics can get a two-for-one. Celtics can get a two-for-one here. They're they Celtics are like, oh, okay, I know. You think the people watching the game are just complete are complete dunces. uh all right, so we got to finish this up there. There is a game today. I you know tomorrow is the game. There's a bit of a nuisance game today. It's a 1 o'clock game, which I actually think favors the Celtics. We always think of, oh, my God, those 1 o'clock afternoon games. And every time you're afraid of those. Like I, last week I was here with Leon Poe, and I just said, you know, Leon, Jesus, you know, this is not just the first game back from a West Coast road trip, which is always uh, won a very tough game. Washington just lost one of those themselves back uh, earlier in the week. They, uh, well, they blew one against Dallas. But it was a it was an afternoon game, and then an afternoon game back from a West Coast road trip, and they lost the hour of sleep, and ended up playing one of their best games of the year. So that's positive. Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa! Can we can we agree that the Bulls? Have yeah, well, have they they
2: team mailed team it in, team. right? Yeah, I know I mean, they were terrible. Yeah, I don't. Well, uh, it goes back to the afternoon start, possibly. I don't know. I, right. know,
0: I just hope. I think the Celtics have to hope that the uh, the Seventy ers are, are tired from beating the. They're the, the playing Dallas really Stanford well. Mercilessly, this <laughs> is like not
2: well, a trap game. They're playing very well.
0: Yeah, that exactly. I, I do think this is this is especially if the Celtics start thinking ahead a little bit to Monday night that this has potential to to get away from them. Let's face it, like if the, if the Sixers score and no Isaiah, it's it's going to be tough. I, I do think that this one today is 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 a difficult one, but it, it goes back to it like who's going to step up. It was it was encouraging to see Jay and uh, Al have those have those good fourth quarters against uh, uh, Brooklyn on Friday night. Let's let's see if someone else is ready to step up. Hey, stuff. How about Gerald Green?
2: He's like, going to be the Nate Robinson of, ah, of this year in the play- Like this guy's going to win us a playoff game. Like this seems to be an absolute cycle with Gerald, and he? he comes off the bench out of nowhere, has a great game, has another decent game after that, then fades away. Not, right. Like it's almost been a cycle this year. You go back to New York on Christmas Day. Has a great game. Pretty much wins that game, I think. He was the most valuable player in that game. Then he had another good game against Miami, which we all forget about because that's when Isaiah went for 52. Then he faded away and then really didn't hear him again until, what was it, early February or end of January when they went out west. Brad plucks him off the bench against Utah. I want to say he was the most valuable player in that game. Has some good games after that. Then fades away again. And then, yeah, all of a sudden. So he's set up to be that Glenn McDonald, Darren Day this, the old-timers there, and then for the somewhat vaguely old-timers, which when you were still on the beat, the Nate Robinson wins a random playoff game off the bench if the Celtics actually have a deep playoff run in them, which they do because they're Dark Horse title contenders.
0: Who, who, who is the Shrek to his donkey? Oh, uh, I wouldn't know. Tyler Zeller. Um, he, 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 of course you pick Tyler Zeller. Oh, that's great. What a way to bring it full circle. I, I, I picture uh, 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 Joe Green jumping on the back of Kelly Olinick and rotting them down the court or at some point as they together win them a a, a random playoff game so in we, end, probably in the end maybe in the nba finals based on this conversation yeah we got
2: the game of the game of the year tomorrow but the new game of the year is going to be on april 5th against the cleveland cavaliers that very well could decide who has the number one seed in the eastern conference we're giving away two tickets to that game simple Ooh. subscribe rate and review celtic speed on itunes for free entry, Chris, I'm going to get you out of here. Quick prediction on this afternoon's game down in Philly.
0: I'm Larry. I think I think they lose this one, but I think they're okay with it because I think when without Isaiah, they, they kind of probably figured they'd drop one of these two and uh, maybe finding a way to escape on Friday night gives them a little bit of a mulligan. And then you go home and hope Isaiah's knee is okay and, and get back on track there. Uh, they have enough of a buffer. But every game matters, and it would be fun if that game you're giving away tickets to was a battle for the number one seed. And so if they can find a way to, to scrap out a victory... All the better.
2: I want to take a moment to talk about Movement Watches. If you haven't heard of them, they are the world's fastest-growing watch company, founded on the belief that style should not break the bank. Movement was started by two broke college kids who just wanted to wear stylus watches but couldn't afford them. So they went out and they started their own company. How about that? We can relate here at CLNS Radio as we all remember at one point in time the lack of Celtics audio content there was in the digital realms, which was one of the primary reasons for the launch of Celtics beat five years ago. But while we don't try to change opinions, the watchmaker's goal is to change the way consumers think about fashion by offering high-quality minimalist products at revolutionary prices. Movement watches start at just $95. At a department store, you're looking at four dollars to 500 bucks. Because they sell online, they're able to cut out the middleman and, most importantly, that retail markup saving you the big bucks for this high-quality product. And even the name's cool. Get this. It's spelled out MVMT. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to MVMTwatches.com slash CelticsBeat. This watch has a really clean design. I've been getting compliments left, right, and sideways ever since I put it on. And now is the time to step up your watch game. Go to MVMTwatches.com slash Celticspeed. Join the movement. Episode number 201 of Celtics Speed is being presented by the SeatGeek mobile ticketing app. As the Celtics playoff push heats up, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices Fully guaranteed, I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way I've found a shop for tickets. And if you want to attend tomorrow's game of the season against the Washington Wizards, there is just no better way to get the best deals for tomorrow's pivotal game for the Celtics' Quest to be the Eastern Conference number two seed than the SeatGeek mobile ticketing app. And remember, it does not end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available as well. And best of all, Celtics Beat listeners can support this production and get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To do so, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code and enter promo code CELTICSPEED. That's all one word, Celticspeed, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code CELTICSPEED today.
1: I just think that things don't go right, it's easy to point to the schedule as, as your main um, obstacle. But yeah. uh, it doesn't feel to be any different. I, I think the main, what, one thing I will say, with the TV demands and the fact that so many networks carry games, a lot of the star teams, um, you know, like the Warriors or the or the, or, um, the, uh, the Cavaliers, they're, they're going to have to deal with some difficult schedules because the networks want to make sure that they're going to pay billions of dollars tell about games that the marquee players are going to be on television, so that means you are going to find some real wacky scheduling. Um, But uh, that comes with the territory, and it's kind of the price you pay for making millions of dollars and for being one of the elite teams.
2: Yeah, a small price to pay. I I do find it interesting. Funny, though, it's the journalists who have less of a problem with the travel and the players. When you guys fly coach, uh, and and we're here with Michael Lee of the Vertical at Yahoo Sports. And, Michael, first off, great to have you back. But that that sort of gets us into that here. Does this maybe apply to the Wizards who have mercifully cooled off a bit? And uh, they've had just all this travel recently. They went out west, and they still have another trip on tap after the Boston game tomorrow. They were playing at such a furious pace. I mean, is there possibly a little fatigue here with Washington?
1: No, it's because uh defensively they've kinda of gone off the rails. Um they one of the main reasons why they struggled so much the first month of the season is because defensively they just, they just weren't connected, they weren't communicating and uh it showed and I think that and and over the course of winning a couple of games, uh they kinda of started to feel themselves a little bit, started to you know, get a little wrapped up in the offense and, and forgot. What uh, made them a team that could rise all the way from the bottom to, to the number two seed for for a brief moment? Um, I think that defensively they've lost their focus um, and they're gonna have to get that back because if they have any if they have any hope of making it to the conference finals or even get to the second round, um, defense is what's gonna have to fuel it. Um, although they do have some quality offensive talent, they they just lost their edge on defense. Yeah, that sort of jumped
2: out at me was on twofold. One, actually, when the, when the Celts first played Washington at the very beginning of the year, they were, I think, like 3-8 and eight or 3-9, and nine, whatever their horrible start was. And I believe they were last in the NBA in defense, last in the NBA in uh, like defensive three-point field goal percentage. And all of a sudden, uh, end of January, during this huge, you know, quote-unquote, rivalry with the Wizards, and that's something that we can you know, shoot the breeze with over, Michael, but... All of a sudden, I, I may be wrong, but I feel like the Wizards all of a sudden were top 10, in te- top 10 in defense. And then since that game, really, with the Celts and the Wizards being neck and neck in the standings uh, ever since, you know, really mid-January now. And and, and uh, obviously the Celtics, go- even going into this game here tomorrow, are going to be ahead of you know, Washington tomorrow. But this is probably, as I've, I've already referred to it in the ads, actually trying to sell tickets as the game of the year. But, yeah, I've been... Paying attention to the Wizards just basically on the box score alone, and it has been just that, is the defense, since the All-Star break, even in their wins on the West Coast, like when they came back against the Blazers, it was something like 125, 124, or 126, 125, yeah. or something like that. And and then they lost uh, to Dallas in the dreaded first game back from a West Coast road trip, and they gave up a buck 14 or a buck 15 or something like that. Uh, first off... How did a defense get – I mean, how has their defense had so many ups and downs thus far this this year?
1: Yeah, well, one of the reasons why is that they acquired offensive players after the break. Um, you know, you added two offensive-minded players um, who – and that's kind of what their identity has become, you know, since then, is that they like to score. Um, they also had – had, Yon Mahimi has come in, you know, after missing most of the season, and he's had a positive influence – you know, In some games on defense, but I think if you look at the moves that they made at the break, they they focused on scoring, so I think it's just an adjustment period now where they try to fit in everybody and also try to figure out how to defend the way they did right before the break, but uh, I think it's pretty obvious what what led to that, um, but now they just have to figure out how to correct it with a much left in the season.
2: Yeah, real quick on that, too, because the one game the Celts did beat Washington earlier in the year, Uh, The Celts won for a variety of reasons. That was uh, Isaiah Thomas had a huge fourth quarter. That's been a storyline that we all know about. Uh, Also, that was in the midst of when the Celtics were just rocking it from beyond the three-point line. I think they had a stretch like in early, mid-January where they were – they set like a franchise record of most cons- – like one of those bizarre records of like most consecutive games, hitting 15 pl- – uh, 15 three point three pointers and They did so in the Wizards game. I can't recall some of them. Might have- I wouldn't be surprised if it was 18 or 19 against Washington back on January 10th or 11th or whatever the day was. But really also one of the reasons was uh, was the bench play of the Wizards at, at one point of the season was not great, and they went out of the trade deadline to uh, try to fix that. They signed Jennings, uh, I believe, as a – as a waiver, or they claim him on waivers or something, like, or something like that. They picked up Bogdanovich uh, from the Nets. If you want to just really briefly get into how that is, like, you know, has that rectified Washington's bench issues, which was one of the reasons why the Celtics were able to get that one win against Washington this year?
1: Um, their depth is definitely uh, one of the main issues that they had, you know, early part of the year. Um, they had a really kind of disastrous free agent period because they put so much emphasis in trying to get Kevin Durant. He wouldn't have given them an interview, and a lot of the guys that they wound up signing either were injured or slow to kind of grasp a Scott Brooks system. So I think that once they got to the trade deadline, they had to find somebody who could score um, because they were leaning so heavily on their starting five, which is one of the best starting fives in the league. If you just look at their production and the years that the guys are having, from John and Brad having career years, to Otto Porter playing well, and um, Marquise Morris and Mark Scott playing well as well. So their, their top five have, have been very good, but they had nothing to – uh, supplement them if they were at an off night. If they ever struggled, then the whole team would. So they needed some help. But Donovan has come in and had some humongous performances, um, you know, some big 20-point games just off the bench, and that's given them a new dynamic. Um, it hasn't completely solved all their depth issues, but it has at least given them a weapon that they can rely on coming off the bench, whereas in the past, you just kind of – Scott Brooks would throw guys out there and just hope that things wouldn't completely – you know, crater, you know, in the absence of uh, his starting five. So um they, the moves have helped them tremendously. Um, especially the Bogdanovich pick pickup. He's come in he's and fit played well really well. Yeah, and John Wallace found him open looks and he shot the ball great. So he he's fit in perfectly. Um and I think that, you know, once once they start, you know, incorporating his offense and then figuring out where they are defensively, that'll all work out. But what, having having one scorer off the bench is better than none. And before the season, they didn't have anything going. They were, and don't laugh
2: at this. I mean, especially now that they've cooled off a little bit, and now it's course it's obviously due to the defense, which is just not what it was the middle of the season. I don't know if it's fatigue. They have been on a crazy schedule, as I've mentioned. They were they were just playing at like just a furious pace. They just they went like thirty one and six at one point or something like that. But I mean, there was a time, and, and not even I would say about a week ago. With everything, that we we cannot, we don't have to talk about Golden State. But, I mean, there was a time where I was saying to myself, like, oh, my God, you know, like, what if Golden State does get an injury? And if they do, this whole friggin' – this is that – don't laugh. I'm barely going to ask the question, especially now with the Celtics playing the Wizards tomorrow. And I would be willing to bet a substantial sum that – I don't know who's going to get home court advantage, but I would be willing to bet a, a decent amount of money that these two teams are going to meet in the second round of the playoffs, Michael. I mean, can I – can we talk about either of these teams, especially how well the Wizards are playing and, and the way they were playing it as, okay, don't kill me, dark horse title contenders? Um, if yeah. something happens I won't, to you. I, won't State, you. I won't
1: kill you. I won't kill you. I mean, um, oh, you you know, not Cleveland either. has been shaky. Cleveland has been shaky. Um, they're still uh, waiting on Kevin Love to get back. Um, I still think that they're probably the title favorites uh, once Love, you know, proved himself to be healthy and able to contribute again. Um, but I don't know that the teams out west just seem to be so loaded. Uh, I, I would think that if Golden State, for some reason, isn't able to get Kevin Durant back and he's not able to help them reach the finals, um, San Antonio has been playing so well. Kawhi Leonard's been putting up MVP numbers, and then after that, James Harden, the guy who I think is the should be the front runner for MVP, uh, has got the Rockets playing at, at a high level and they've been scoring so. Um, you know the Rockets. You know they've been a team, and uh, they got a reputation for being a really offensive-minded squad, especially with Mike D'Antoni as a head coach. But you know they've been buying into Jeff Tezelly's defense, and I think that their recent game against the Cavaliers showed that in the moments when they need to lock down, they they, they can play that way. So I, I would still think that the favorite would come out from the from the West um, if if Cleveland somehow isn't able to get there. But you know anything's possible. I think the Wizards have one of the play one of the better games of the season against Cleveland. If LeBron doesn't hit a fadeaway bank three, then uh I don't then they, they win that game. Um uh you know obviously Boston's had a good win against Cleveland as well. But um but I don't know. It it's hard to view them as federal contenders, especially we look at Washington, a team that uh is trying to win fifty games for the first time in uh, thirty eight years. Uh that, that kind of um Is that the last time they won situation.
0: the championship? Uh uh
1: is that, that's, the I... last time they, that's the last time they oh, made the conference, oh. the NBA finals. That was in 1979. So um, okay, they won the not won. 10, yeah, they haven't won 50 games since. So it's been a long drought, and I think for a lot of Wizards fans, it's pretty hard to contemplate having a team that could be considered a championship contender, even though they've been they've been playing much better than they have at any point um, uh, over that over the last couple of decades. So it's hard to. By them as a title contender, but I think that reaching the conference finals um, will be a step in the right direction for both franchises.
2: For me, the one that jumped. Were you on the beat when they uh, like wore the T shirts when, when they made the second round of the playoffs? Like Antoine Jameson, and they had the yeah, the and they had the T shirts for the second round. and I would say one of the more like one of the great moments um, in NBA history was with the second round T-shirts. That is something I I have never seen before. But I want to go back to let's. Well, well,
1: and to tell you about the Wizards, um, the reason why that was a significant moment for the franchise was that was the first playoff victory for the Wizards um, in like 23 years. So um, that was a
2: pretty big deal. They were able to sell the T-shirts, I guess. uh,
1: (laughs) Uh, well, but when you when you go 23 years without winning a uh, a um a playoff series, I think that, that that's room for celebration.
2: Oh, all right, okay, it works. Uh... But they're going to win one this year. Uh, they're going to play the Celtics, I think, in the second round of the playoffs. The big, the, the huge games tomorrow, right? That could very well decide who's going to have home court advantage. Especially if the Wizards win, that's going to be like picking up two games in the um, in the standings because then they'll have the tiebreaker. They will win three-one. But uh, we could talk, I guess, maybe specifically about the that game towards just maybe a little bit later. But I just do want to get to the matchup overall. I did a show with Chris Axman like um, like a week and a half ago. I don't know, two weeks ago now, and I basically told him. Sp- Blank, I don't think the Celtics can beat the Wizards in the playoffs, whether they whether the Wizards have home court, whether the Celtics have home court, whether they play seven games on a neutral court. Uh, I just don't like that matchup for Boston at all because they have the backcourt, that's always been the problem with the Celtics this year. And if you look at the games, I know Bradley Beal had like a scored 35. Um, actually, I think the Celtics won that game, but you know, he went off for 35 points. John Wall had 28-7-7 you know, seven and seven along, along those lines. He's had big games against the Celtics, not just this year, but in prior years. Them and Cleveland are really good at exploiting Isaiah Thomas. They've out-rebounded the Celtics in some of their matchups. Gortat's been someone who's killed the Celtics, not just in Washington for the last X amount of years, but even going back to you know, even the Garnett years. They could, he's been a, a pick-and-roll nightmare uh, for the Celtics, and he's still playing at a, at a decent enough level, even at his age. I hate the matchup. Um, for the Celtics with the Wizards, I hate it. From I, I do not think that Boston. And with would, what reason? Okay, what, give me give me those good reasons.
1: Um, well, I mean, for one one thing is that uh, I think one of the turning points for the Wizards' season was when they called their own shot against the Celtics when they showed up to that game wearing all black and uh, basically said they were going to bury the Celtics that night. So and they won by 15 points. I think that that was just to me. It said a lot about. The, the different mentality of this Wizards team and how um, they were willing to go out there and uh, take to make a bold statement, and they did it. And um, they did it against a team that was ahead of them, the stand as stand is a team that they basically said they were a team, coming to catch. And I think that you know that that really brought the team together. They bonded in that moment. Um, they were unified in that moment. And um, and that was, like I said earlier, the true turning point. So. I think that when they play this, they get fired up, you know. I don't they don't like the way Marcus Smart uh, you know, gets under their skin defensively. They wanna take it to him. Um, you know, there's there's Jake Crowder obviously when he uh poked John Wall in the nose uh after that, that one self display that 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 kind of stuff stays with them and they they they'll they'll be fired up if they do get a match up and I think that um you know this is the kind of team that plays with this edge, especially led by John Wall, who has, like, so many chips on his shoulders, It's so a wonder he's able to jump up and dunk. Um, but they take they, they those slights. And uh, the Celtics are that one team that just really riles them up and, and makes them mad. You know, um, it just <laughs> – it, 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 I, I can see why you would be concerned, just because I don't think there's a team in the league that gets them more fired up than, than seeing green. You know, I
2: actually mentioned that the game was a turning point for the Wizards. That was actually a turning point for the Celtics. After they lost that game, they picked up one of their be- – I thought at to that point was their best win of the season the next night against Houston. I actually, actually thought, just from the out uh, point of view – was the big Wizards win was their very first win against the Celtics at the beginning of the year. Otto Porter went off in that game, and that was like his breakout game. He's had this huge year. He's like this, like this 2010 rich man version of Jared Dudley. But uh, I, yeah, for fun, actually, you talked about this. And this is, I think, I was outsiders. We look and kind of chuckle at it. And even Isaiah Thomas made a joke about it of um, – Oh, this little rivalry we have with Wizards being blown out of proportion or, or whatever. This is not Celtics versus Lakers. This is a, a second-round matchup. Yeah, and I, then I read uh, the other day after the Celts lose at the end of the road trip a couple weeks ago out in Denver that he that Isaiah was just you know peeved, that God forbid the Wizards were in front of the Celtics in the standings. Uh, for a day and a half what do you do you have a little fun at all with this little rivalry I mean I know that it's it's easy to make a joke of this is not a rivalry because it doesn't really have any greater impact on maybe the landscape of the NBA or whatever but hey you know what uh Nick's heat at the end of the late 1990s you know, I, I, don't, I don't
1: even really care about like what it does um uh, in terms of the impact on the playoffs or anything out in the championships I just like seeing teams that have some level of uh, animus toward each other and play like it on the court and you can see that when when these two teams get together you can sense that these guys just don't like each other they don't like playing against each other and uh and it brings out really good games it brings out competitive games and a uh, little feistiness so you don't see that enough in the nba because everybody's so buddy buddy everybody they you are college teammates and or share the same agent and so everybody's just tapping up each other and hugging each other after every game. It's good to see that there are still um moments when guys hit the floor, look across and see another guy's like, I'm gonna take him out and it's fun to watch if you're if you're a fan of basketball and competition. You gotta fight then the uh the higher ups at the
2: vertical then to get that assignment while seeing the second round. There may not be a better second round matchup than this, I guess, right?
1: Uh I can't well, the uh if it's Rockets and Spurs, that'd be pretty good too.
2: Well, you can tweet about it then.
1: All right. So then I got to do a quick little
2: pregame <laughs> for for the uh, game tomorrow because for the Celtics it is the game of the year. Of course, I may be saying that about a week, uh, about a little over two weeks from now when they host Cleveland on the fifth. Which, of course, I have to say, is the, the, going to be the game of the year because we're giving out tickets for that game. Uh, but the game tomorrow certainly, to this point, is probably the most important game for the Celtics. Equally going to be important for the Wizards, especially with what it's going to decide. Possibly these two teams meeting in the second round, and having home court. So. uh I'll put you on the spot. We'll have a little fun with it, Michael, as we always do. Give me a little prediction and why for tomorrow night's game in Boston.
1: I would think that Boston would win the game um, because they're home and because they remember what the Wizards did to them last time when they wore all black. Uh, I, I think that they've been playing great at home lately, and I think Al Horford has been such a, you know. Uh, Huge, you know, force, you know, for them on the defensive end. He's been playing so well, uh, and they're just a different team when he's on the floor. So I, I just think that just being home, um, being a little motivated, it's going to give them that edge. You could see how uh, they went out and beat Cleveland the last time they had them at home. So I, I just see that as being a, a chance for uh, them to come out and, and, and defeat the Wizards, just to leave a message for what happens in the second round. I don't think. Brad Stevens is going to allow his team to lose focus and and let that game slip. Michael Lee, senior writer for the Vertical
2: on Yahoo Sports. Catches work there and in a more efficient manner, as I stated, in 140 characters or less. Could be tweeting about that second-round playoff series matchup. On his Twitter, at Mr. Michael Lee. Michael, love to talk to you in about a month and a half from now. Looking forward to it. Mentioned with Michael about the tickets. So, uh, yeah, two more reminder shout-outs. Write us a review for Celtics Beat on iTunes to enter in a contest to win two tickets to cap Celtics on April 5th and also early entry to win playoff tickets, if and when that does come across, which it is going to. And, of course, whether it is March Madness, which uh, games today, or NBA basketball, games every day, MyBookie.ag is giving out that great deal with our promo code. They match 50% off your first deposit by going to MyBookie.ag and using promo code CB. Five O, so CB fifty, but spell out five O. Get in the action, and as I always say. It's a huge way to support this show using our coupon codes for any of our sponsors and any type of returns they give. It's a small way of returns for those who do that, but uh, yes, also too. We know there's a game today in Philadelphia. Uh, we sincerely hope the Celtics are not looking ahead. They're usually good about not looking ahead, but then we hope that they are not doing too. But but us, uh, yeah, I am guilty of looking ahead, and I'm sure many of everyone is are and. We know tomorrow is the big game. A little programming on that. Of course, CLNS Celtics Mondays. Morning to midnight coverage of the Wizards game. It's going to start with Celtics stuff live at 9 a.m. Eastern Time with John Duke and Justin Pullen. It's going to go all the way up. You know, the news feed. we got Celtics Roundtable. that comes out midpoint of the day. The pregame show with Josue Paybone. That's all on the CLNS mobile app. And, of course, the postgame show is going to air live following the final buzzer on CLNSRadio.com. Call in 347-215. 7771. That is it here for number 201. We'll be back here next Sunday, as always. Celts are coming down the home stretch here the regular season. They have the free contest. They are all at home. So, Wizards tomorrow. They have Indiana on the 22nd. And they also finish it off with the Suns Friday night. Uh, that is this week. Today's show, Music, was provided by Chuck Dietz and Steph LaGrato. Sponsors, once again, Seek, Geek and Movement Watches. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Justin Poulin, and for CLNS's founder Nick Gelso, I'm Larry H. Trussell. Thanks to everyone who downloaded today's show, and hope everyone does the same next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.